Welcome, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to The Educated Investor. On this podcast, we'll not only cover current events, but also ideas to help you possibly maximize your social security benefits, manage your taxes, and overall become a more educated investor. And now, here's your host, Jerry Blakely. Hello, and thank you for joining me today. My name is Jerry Blakely, and I'm very excited because today we are recording the first official Educated Investor podcast episode. And I'm even more excited because we have Scott Householder, the CEO of Householder Group, joining us today to discuss a very hot topic right now. That's inflation. Well, Scott, thanks for joining me here today. And for the audience, just a bit of background, Scott Householder is the founder and CEO of Householder Group, a state and retirement specialist, founded back in 1997. Householder Group is the company I've worked for for 21 years as a financial advisor uh, before successfully selling my practice. Well, Scott, thanks again for joining us. How are you doing today? Jerry, I'm fantastic. It's a, um, as I always say here in Arizona and Paradise Valley, it's a perfect day in paradise. Okay, well, great. You're probably uh, heating up over there as the summer's coming on being in Arizona. Uh, We're over 100 degrees now. And the, the only challenging part, Jerry, you know, I commute back and forth to work on my bicycle and um, it's it's a, about a 20 mile round trip, but the the morning ride in is always nice. Yeah. Um, but that afternoon, um, that cement it heats up, and so I'm I'm feeling it. Well, I'm feeling bad for you being here in Oceanside, where I had breakfast by the fireplace with the foggy air and everything. So I'm I'm sorry you're so hot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're you're rubbing it in there for me. Well, well, speaking of things heating up, inflation is heating up like crazy. But um, before we get into, you know, today's market inflation, let's just start with some of the basics, Scott. Um, Can you maybe describe for us when we use the term inflation, what what does that really mean? Well, everyone knows that inflation is the rising cost of goods and services. And of course, what that the underlying um, reason is the falling value of the currency. And so as the currency is decreasing in value, then everything that we buy ends up costing more. Okay. The decreasing value of the currency. Yes. Specifically, Jerry, inflation in March was 8.5%, which is a 40-year high. And I know people, yours and my age, we remember back in those days when we had 12% inflation. In fact, my first mortgage, I, I, I'm dating myself, but it was in the 13% range on my house. So um, those, those days were, were pretty painful. And, and of course, now the good news is this last month of April actually saw inflation decrease to 8.3. So we got a little little bit of relief there. Oh boy, when I know the average is something like two or three or something, but your first mortgage was, um, what'd you say, 11%? 13. 13. And I'm wondering if, like many people, the, the, the probably the, the last car you just bought, whatever that was, you probably paid more for that car than you paid for your first house. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. That's actually true, Jerry. Um, that. <laughs> 
That's the way prices are these days. It's crazy. But inflation is something, and I think it's important to realize because everyone thinks inflation is bad. And having my undergraduate degree, my minor was in economics. And so I've listened to economists, I don't know how many hundreds of hours, and I'm not an economist, by the way, but but I've listened to a lot in, in an MBA school and so forth. The thing to realize about inflation is that controlled inflation is actually positive for an economy. And when you hear something like that, you think, well, gosh, that, that intuitively, that doesn't make very much sense. However, the opposite of inflation is deflation. And when you're having deflation, now you're in a recession. And that's not good. So controlled inflation, like we've had in the, as you said, the two, and we've been averaging three for a long period of time, that's actually very positive. That that mm-hmm. signs of a healthy economy. Mm-hmm. However, when it gets into the 8.5% range, and I know like this weekend, I was with my daughter, Megan, she's in the middle of a move, and she had to stop to fill up her car because I, I don't buy gas myself very often. I have a car, but I, I, I only fill it up like once every couple of months because I bicycle everywhere. But when we stopped to buy gas and we got out and of course I didn't offer my credit card. She's, she's an adult. She can pay for her own gas, but she, she was pretty shocked when it was over $5 a gallon. If she and that's in that's in the Phoenix area. Yes. yes. Well, I think I'm going to move there the next month or this weekend or something because we're over six dollars a gallon here in the in the, in California in the San Diego area. So that is crazy though, I- extremely expensive. Well, if if you move here, Jerry, remember you you'll have the heat. <laughs> I'll have the heat. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I I will try to keep in mind that inflation is um, is not all that bad. I'm always complaining about paying three dollars and fifty cents for a dime cup of coffee. So, which coffee used to be a dime, you know, when I first started drinking a, a long time ago. But Scott, beyond the you know this thing of of the devaluation of the currency and so forth, like what causes inflation? Can you can you kind of tell us for our listeners here in English what causes inflation? <laughs> I'm going to be specific, Jerry, regarding this inflation cycle that we're in, because everyone's wondering, well, what has caused this situation? And there's really four major reasons that we're experiencing the surge of inflation right now. Number one is the huge increase in the uh, in the money supply, the monetary supply. Mm-hmm. And of course, that was caused in part when the pandemic hit and the stimulus came out, then there was a surge in dollars going into the uh, economy from the government and everyone knew about the printing of money and so forth. My son is is interesting because we're having conversations back at that time and I was sharing with him, we're going to see inflation going up. I I certainly did not necessarily predict that it would go up almost 300% in this time, but I, I knew that all of that was going to cause inflation. It was interesting because he's a millennial and he says, oh, the deficit is just a nebulous number. And he, he and, and it's like, well, when it gets into these gigantic deficit uh, um, amounts, you do tend to think that it's nebulous. But the reality is that you have too many dollars chasing too few goods. And when you have that type of a surge in money, 
and then people are people are spending but and that leads to the to the second item that's causing inflation right now is supply chain disruptions also in part caused by the pandemic and so forth but the cost of lumber other things that the all all the ships that were off the port over in California if you recall that Jerry last year mm-hmm. and yeah right mm-hmm. and it, it's never caught up and at the same time you have worker shortages and that's number 3 worker shortages then have caused rising wages and with w- wages going up then then you have inflation and fourth is the fossil fuel policy and I'm, I don't want to make any political statements today, positive or negative, but because there's a lot of people that are very happy about the tightening on the fossil fuel policies for environmental reasons. And certainly my o- oldest daughter, who's a, working on her Ph.D. in astrophysics, She'll tell you about how, how we need to protect the planet, and, and I'm in total agreement with protecting the planet. At the same time, when you look at the underlying causes right now, and we're talking about the cost of gas uh, as an example, we have seen a huge surge in the cost of fossil fuels because of the policies that are, uh, have been enacted. Mm-hmm. So those are the major four reasons, Jerry, the money supply, the supply chain disruption, worker shortages, rising wages, and the fossil fuel policies are what have really stimulated the inflation cycle at this point. Well, that's interesting because um, understanding that, and I'm thinking back that before we had the supply chain disruption, the worker shortages maybe the fossil fuel shortage, you know, fossil fuel tightening thing. But before that was this cash, the influx of cash into the economy. So we, we've been in this very low interest rate um, environment with the government doing all kinds of stuff to try to get people to spend money. And, and I know for, I don't know, how long has it been, Scott? 10 years, 12 years or something? I, I kept waiting for inflation. It never happened. And then it came on big time now because of the pandemic, supply chains, worker shortages, and all that. So, I, is there? So I don't know. So these are um, the, this is this is kind of a um, what do they call it? A confluence of all the different things together that are that are going to suddenly show up and, and cause it to rear its head and take off like crazy. Why do you think when we had this big cash influx for many years there wasn't? Inflation, like inflation didn't have traction for quite a while. And I, I think we all kept expecting it and waiting it and didn't didn't happen. You know what, Jerry, I'm actually as surprised as you are that it didn't increase faster. But part of it was, and I'll compliment the Federal Reserve System, because the Federal Reserve has focused on having low overnight money rates for many years. And quite frankly, they have done a relatively effective job of minimizing that those interest rates. But right now, the Federal Reserve is tightening the belts. And when when I say tightening the belts, that means that they have been increasing that federal funds rate. And with the increasing of the federal funds rate, then that's been one more item that has has stimulated the inflation. Because interest rates are going to go up on mortgages and credit cards and car loans and everything else when that federal funds rate goes up. Is that, is that right? Absolutely correct, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, and that certainly adds to everybody's cost when they are using financing. Mm-hmm. 
So Scott, are there any indicators that inflation will be taking effect like before it happens? There are, Jerry. There's, there's really five early warning signs. And one is utility stock prices. Utilities are known to, for their relative stable share price um, and above average dividends. But when we see inflation taking off, they're, they're basically legalized monopolies or what utility companies are. And it is a, I'll mention, we'll, I'll come back to it a little bit later, a potential inflation protection um, area too. But that's why when we see those utility prices start increasing, it's like, well, in, inflation is right there. And right along with that, number two are commodity prices. So when we see raw materials such as copper, such as lumber, etc., when we see those prices increasing, then it's like, well, inflation is right behind it, as well as precious metals is number three. And then number four is factory capacity utilization. And when I say factory capacity utilization, when we see the, the typical factory is never fully utilized. If you can get up to 100% utilization, that's ideal, but none of them are at 100%. But as that factory capacity utilization increases and it bumps up above the normal range, that's when, okay, the demand is high for the goods and we know inflation is right behind it. And number five are wages. When we see those wages start I increasing, we know inflation is soon to happen and all the prices are going to start, start increasing. So those are the major five indicators. And right now, if you look back at where the, what was happening before inflation took off, these five indicators were um, telling us that we were going to have substantial inflation. It has surprised everyone how, how huge and how fast it has happened, though. Yeah, I'm thinking of the minimum wages, you know, being raised up so so uh, drastically uh, relatively recently, but it sure came on quick. Well, how, how does inflation impact different areas of investing, like on, on, on gas, the housing, stock market, and so forth? Well, let's let's talk about the stock market first. Um, and if we if we look at stocks, we'll we'll see there's been a lot of volatility right now, and that's normal when inflation is in its early stages, and the market is very jittery because investors are worried about okay, um, are my investments going to be okay or not, and. Of course, there's a lot of smaller investors, and we know this is, this is the case from history because they get emotional, and when they have emotions that affect their investment decisions, it's typically wrong. Mm -hmm. And very often, it's the opposite of the big institutional investors. And Warren Buffett is an example. I was listening to a podcast from him, He's, he's the best investor in the world, probably, at least in, in, during our lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, he says it's a great time to be buying right now. And, of course, if you look historically from, from 1914 to 2022, the U.S. inflation has averaged 3.25%. Well, that's, that's in the normal range. Um, now, during that same period of time, from 1926 to 2002, 
the S&P 500 index has actually returned 10.49%. So inflation has, the stock market's been a good place to be to protect ourselves from, from inflation during that time, Jerry. So, Scott, it sounds like if the, the market's been long-term over 10% and inflation's been 3 it would probably be important to be in the market a little bit longer um, than, than uh, to succumb to emotions of, you know, getting scared things are down. Got to be the worst time to, to, to sell things. And like you said, Warren Buffett says, the best investor ever is the best time to buy things. So am I, am I kind of thinking of that, thinking of that correctly? You are correct, Jerry. And when you think about the um, when most people are selling, the smart people are buying and vice versa. And so it, we, we have to be careful about getting emotional and we have to be thoughtful about having a safe and secure approach to our investment strategy. And then the emotions. So part of the fears, the news we see, and everything else. And what? So this this Russia attack on Ukraine has got people shook up and rattled. How? What does that mean for inflation? Well, a couple of things. Number one is we talked about the rising price of gas and uh, the fossil fuel policy in America, and at the same time we've got the whole disruption of the petroleum from Russia with the war and so forth. So it's been totally disruptive on worldwide supply and that's created more inflation with those gas prices spiking even more. So it's kind of a perfect storm. And certainly when there's um, political instability and that's particularly Russia uh, going into Ukraine, it has created a lot of fear in the public and worldwide. People are wondering, gosh, is this the beginning of World War III? What's going on? And you, and you see a lot of panic. So that's the, the markets are very volatile and people are scared right now. But what, so for, for people listening to this, like what can we do with everything going on? What can we do to protect ourselves from inflation? Well, there's several things. I, I mentioned that the stock market, but let me broaden that to equities in general. And when I say equities in general, anything that you own that's actually something that, that's tangible, and let's use the example of real estate. Most of our listeners probably own their own home. Well, that's a great inflation protection because we've seen the cost of real estate skyrocketing. So from a net worth standpoint, their net worth is increasing and they've got that equity. Even if they have a mortgage against it, they still have the equity. And the differential, of course, is, is what they actually have in, in their equity. The, the sale price of the home, if they want it to sell today, minus what the mortgage is worth is their actual equity. Well, we've seen that skyrocket this last year. So that's a great inflation protection. Um, the stock market we already talked about. Basically, if you look at our audience today, everyone falls in the two different categories. Category one are those younger people who are still working, still part of the workforce, like you and I, Jerry. And, and I love putting myself in that young group, don't you? Yeah, I'll say, thank you. I'm 110 years old. You're still calling me young. 
<laughs> I appreciate right. that. That's right. Yeah, we're the we're the youngsters. All, all of my buddies are retiring, and they're saying, Scott, why are you still working? But but I I do love what I do. So, and I know you do, Jerry. So. <laughs> Um, it keeps us but, young. It keeps us young. <laughs> that's right. But for the um, for the retirees, and that's a great place to be when work is um, optional and retirement is affordable. And they have decided, okay, I'm financially independent. I'm going to opt out of working and retire. And quite frankly, what what I always find working with retirees is that. Our most successful retirees are extremely busy people. Um, their volunteer activities, all of the things that they do in the community, and so they're they're typically very active in giving back, and it's it's exciting to see that. But the people who are retired then have a different situation because the people who are working, of course, part of their inflation protection is their income. If they're working for a company that also is going to be um, relatively positively impacted by inflation and you hear that positive impact and you think well who's positively impacted well a lot of companies just simply raise their prices mm -hmm. and uh, of course one of the companies that that, that warren buffett was ta talking about is american express is just as an example they raise their um their fee on their platinum card from $500 last year to $695. Mm. And Warren Buffett is saying, well, um, they just have the ability to raise their prices and people pay. So um, those type of employers are going to pass along their, 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 their price increases on, in the form of higher wages to their workers as well. Now, the people who are retired need to be particularly careful. And we talk at Householder Group, we always are recommending that we look at what we call the three bucket theory. And Jerry, I think you're familiar with that, aren't you? Pretty familiar with it since I learned it at Householder Group years ago. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, one of those buckets being FIG, and when I say FIG, that stands for fixed, insured, and guaranteed. And so when we look at those type of investments, of course, the, the, the stock market is a market investment, and we've seen that volatility, but people are also very interested, and it provides security in a diversified portfolio when they utilize the FIG, the fixed, insured, and guaranteed. Does, does that make good sense, Jerry? Oh, yeah, definitely. Maybe especially for retirees. Yeah, yeah. We are pretty close in our time, and I'm thinking this is um, this is has been great information you've shared with us, and I hope um, our listeners have many takeaways. And I got two takeaways. I'm thinking about inflation, and and one thing about the the age thing you said. So I went to the movies recently by myself. I had a chance to to go out and and watch uh, the multi universe thing or something, Doctor Strange, whatever. But you know these fancy movie theaters now they've got they you can buy wine. So I bought my little uh, thing of Pinot Noir, and it was like $16 for just a few ounces of wine. Like, wow, that is a lot, where it used to be, I don't know, something, 5 or $8 or something. But the funny thing was, the gal there, she carded me. She said, can I please see your ID? And I said, do you think I'm too young? She says, no, I want to make sure you're not too old to drink this. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's my takeaway, so... <laughs> 
That's great, Jerry. Anyway, Scott, thank you so much for being with us today. It's fun to chat with you and fun to laugh with you, and we appreciate you spending your your time with us and sharing your wisdom and experience. Um, So thank you for all you do. Well, you're certainly welcome, Jerry. It's it's my absolute pleasure, and I appreciate your questions and your excellent job. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Well, well, thank you for joining us for our official first episode, and we had a great time with all of you, and hopefully you walked away with some very valuable information. I hope you join us again next quarter when we will be discussing mid-year market update and outlook with a special guest speaker from LPL Financial. And remember to make sure that you subscribe to this podcast so you can receive new episodes right when they're released. And as always, if you're enjoying the podcast or if you have a topic that you'd like us to review, let me know. Just send us an email at educatedinvestor at householdergroup.com. That's educatedinvestor at householdergroup.com. Well, onward and upward. Thank you again for joining us. Until next time. The opinions voiced on this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual, nor intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principles. Statistics and sources on today's episode were provided by TradingEconomics.com, Investopia.com, and Fortune.com. 